know, Happy New Year, right? Haven't seen me since last year, I guess, and uh, this is a new year. If you look at your bulletin, you see the outline. We're going to be talking about turning the page on a new year. And, uh, at this time of year, God always brings me to Philippians chapter 3, and I think you're going to see in a minute why that is. See, in a new year, you, everything, everything is, starts all over again. I mean, your calendar starts all over again, of course, but we can see this as a time to letting our life start all over again, turning the page on the new year. Uh, it's a great time to start new things, get some things that you've always wanted to do started, right? It's also a time that you can put some old things behind you and, and just let that go. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. This passage that we're looking at is one of those perfect passages in looking at what we can accomplish as we look to entering a new year. I want to look at some lessons that we can, uh, we can take away from this text from Paul if we would just listen to what the Spirit of God says. Uh, if you would find Philippians chapter 3 in your Bible, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. And I'll invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as his word is being read. Philippians chapter 3 beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we begin this new year, first of all, Lord God, we want to begin it with you. We want to give you the honor, the praise, the glory that you deserve. But we want to give you more than that. We want to give you our lives. God, that we would just turn from the things that we have done that we regret and reach for those things that you have for us in this new year. Bless, I pray, this message to the hearts of your people, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Five lessons that we can learn from Paul. The first lesson is we all have an imperfect past. Agreed? There are things in our past that we wish we have never done. Paul says, not that I have already obtained. In other words, I haven't arrived. I'm not already perfect. None of us are. So all of us can look back at our past and see things that, quite frankly, we're ashamed of. Something that we've said, something that we have done. We all have blemishes. We all have stains. We all have sin in our past. No one is immune to that. And, and a lot of these things are just really hard for us to forget. The Apostle Paul was no different. He had a pretty ugly past. Now, believe me, he was a very religious person. He was a Pharisee. He was in church, if you could say. He was in church every day. He was in the, under the word every day. But all of his religion didn't keep him from having a past that he well, didn't treasure and I'm sure that it came back in his thoughts all the time. And the same holds true for us. 
You might have even grown up in church. You may be involved in church. Maybe a church leader of some sort. But just the same, you have an imperfect past. There are things in your past you wished you didn't do. It may be that there was a time that you chose your way instead of God's way. You wanted my will to be done, not God's will to be done. And there's no way to get around that. It happened. It's in the past. But listen to what the second lesson we learned. Paul, Paul teaches us that we don't have to be a slave to that past. Yes, there are mistakes that I've made. made. Yes, there are sins that are in my past. I've confessed them. I got them right with God, but they're still right there. They're still in my memory. And Paul wants you to know you do not have to live as a slave to those past sins. Look what he says in verse 12. He said, but I press on. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, but I press on. I've turned the page on my past. Hey, Paul could have said, look, I, I, I'm in no shape. I'm not the person God should use. I'm, I'm sitting here in prison, but um, not, not for the bad things that I've done. I was the one who held the coat when they stoned a great deacon named Stephen. I, I'm the one who went out and persecuted the church. There's no way that Christ would want to use someone like me. But he doesn't say that. He insisted here that he had something worth moving on for. He could look back at the fact that Christ redeemed him from his past. And now he can work for Christ. He says here that in spite of his past, he's moving on. He goes on to say, forgetting what lies behind. Isn't that difficult? Isn't that hard to forget those things that we've said? Forget those things that we have done? Those mistakes that we've made? Those sins that we've committed? It's hard to forget them. But that's what Paul's saying he's doing. He said, I'm going to forget them. I'm going to leave them behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. That is a picture of a runner in a race. You ever watch the Olympics and you get to the end, that last 20 or 30 feet, boy, they really poured on, and they throw their chest out to break the tape first. They want to get across the line. That's what Paul's talking about. He's straining for it. He's, he's putting it all out there because his past isn't going to keep him as a slave to that past. He recognized his past, but he refused to be a slave to it. At the writing of this, the Apostle Paul is sitting in prison. He doesn't know what hour they're going to come and they're going to take him away and, and put him to death. But he doesn't dwell on that. Here's a guy who had an imperfect past and then he had decades of fruitful ministry. He's one of the most successful evangelists of the first church. Church planter. Planted more churches than any of the apostles. And yet he still felt, even at the age that he was, even in the circumstances he was living, he still felt he had something to shoot for, something to work for, something to strive for. He still felt he had a ways to go in his relationship and in his service to Christ. And in spite of the circumstances, he still wanted to strengthen those things. 
How many people look at their circumstances and decide that it's just not worth trying anymore? I think way too many. Christians, people in this room, right here today, are thinking, because of my past, there's no hope for me. They might think that they've got it. Some other people may think they've got it all together. I, I have arrived. Hey, listen, if the Apostle Paul at this point in his life hasn't arrived, neither of you. I, I hate to be ugly like that, but that's the truth. Maybe there's someone who says, well, at my age, it's time for me to put down the, the, uh, the work and, and let somebody else do it. Let, let the younger people come and do it. I, I'm not worth the effort but we look at Paul here's our example we can say it's never too late our circumstances do not dictate what God wants to do with our lives my health is failing my finances are failing everything around me I, I don't have this I don't have that all you need is one thing all you need is Christ and a walk with Christ lesson number three no matter our current circumstances, you can move on to be a better, to do better and greater things. Again, Paul, here he is, an old man. He's under house arrest in Rome. Days, maybe hours, months, maybe, being put on the chopping block. And yet here he is writing this book, Letter to the Philippians. He, he could have said at this point, listen, I'm just going to retire. Uh, you know, if I get out of jail, I'm going to go find me a little place on the coast. I'm going to sit down and, and just live out my days. But no, he says there's a work to be done. And more than that, he said, I still need to know Christ better. Oh, my goodness. I hope that you'll catch that. This is, this is probably the greatest thing that you can plant into your heart right now. No matter where I am in my spiritual journey, I need to know Christ better. I need to know him more intimately. Beloved, here's a guy who has known Jesus for years. He probably had a relationship with him that most of us would just dream of. And yet he said, it isn't enough. Are you saying that? Or are you complacent where you are in your journey? See, for Paul, it didn't matter that he was under house arrest. He kept working for the Lord. He had a guard chained to him all the time. You know what he did with that guard? He witnessed to him. He told him about Christ, led many of them to the Lord. It didn't matter that Paul was an older man. It didn't matter about his current circumstances. He says he needed more of Jesus. And he's going to make every effort... To make that happen. He's going to strive to do more. And that leads us to the fourth lesson. Moving on only happens by intentional effort. Moving on only happens by intentional effort. There's a word in our society that we use a lot that really does not belong in the service of Christ. It's the word convenience. Now listen, I love convenience. <laughs> I do. 
If someone asked me not long ago, what period of time would you like to live in? If you could live in any period of time, you know, like the Wild West or the Roman days. I said, after central heat and air and microwaves. That's where I want to live, right here and now. I love microwave ovens. I can have popcorn in three minutes and 15 seconds. Anymore, it'll burn. I've got a down pat. I love convenience. I, I would even, I'm going to admit this, I would even love to work only when it's convenient. That's the flesh. That's not what I do. But that's my flesh. But listen to the words that Paul has in this passage. He says, I press on. I, I'm, I'm going further. I'm striving. I'm straining. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to go forward. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting which lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. I mentioned Paul's circumstances and how he didn't let that get in his way. He did what it took Within his current circumstances, without making excuses, he did what he had to do to know Christ more, to advance the kingdom of God more, to work for him more. For Paul, Christ was worth the effort. And if you'll make the effort, you're going to find that he was worth it. Paul was determined to move on from his past, to move on from his present circumstances he was determined to have more of Christ and finally we learned this morning in this text that God is worth the effort what did Paul call it he said the prize I am reaching for the prize not a wage not a paycheck a prize when you focus on Christ when you focus on living for him, you're going to win. You're going to win. I think so many people have a lukewarm relationship with Christ. They have no desire to live for him because they see the work, but they don't see the prize. They see what is here and now. They don't see what's in eternity. You know, we are promised a crown when we see him. All that we do for Christ will be made into a crown that we'll have in heaven. That's the prize. Hey, even if I take that and I cast it at his feet because I couldn't have done it without him anyway. It's all glory to God. But that prize is there. That reward is there. We're, we're going to be in heaven with him and, and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not to everybody. Not to everybody. I think some people, Jesus is going to say, well, you made it by the skin of your teeth. Come on in. <sighs> I'm not sure of that, but. You know, a person, a man, will put a picture of a boat on the refrigerator. And he will work and he'll work and he'll work. He'll do overtime. He'll do whatever he can. Scrimp and save. No more going out for, for dinner. We're going to sacrifice so that we can get that boat. What is a boat? A boat is a hole in the lake in which you pour money into. The happiest day of a man's life is the day he gets a boat and the day he sells a boat. 
But they'll do anything to get that prize. Maybe it's living room furniture, ladies. And you, you've got a picture, you know, that, that you found in the paper. And this is what I want. And you do whatever you can. You save every penny. So you can get that furniture. Why won't we do that for Christ? People will work for what they can see. But not for something they have to take by faith. But Paul here says that everything that he's done, everything that he has isn't worth what he can gain through knowing Christ more and serving him. How I wish more Christians could see the value of Christ like Paul does. God help us to see the prize, see that it's worth it. The bottom line of what we're communicating here today through Paul's words is that he decided that he was going to turn the page on his past. Turn the page on his circumstances. Not look at what has happened before. Not look at what is happening today. He said he wanted to move on. And the new year gives us a great opportunity to do just that. Let me take the last few minutes I have to give you five suggestions on what to turn the page on in this new year. Number one, turn the page on a lukewarm relationship with Christ. That's not what Jesus wants for you. Jesus doesn't want you to be lukewarm. I, I can't imagine why anybody would want that kind of a relationship after Jesus has done so much for us. Jesus wants to be on fire for him, loving him, desiring him, living for him every day of our life and every area of our life. We need to spend more time in the word. We're, we've, we've given you this five days, um, the five-day Bible reading principle. Take that. I mean, just spend some time in the morning in, in the word of God, reading the word of God. I love to read the Psalms, so I read Psalms every morning. That's the heart of God. And then in the afternoon at lunch or something, have, have your Bible app open and, and read some scripture. In the evening, read some scripture. Take some time to spend with God in prayer. Because if you develop this kind of a habit and, and you can start it today, just spending that few minutes, it's going to show in your life. We, we have given up on devotion, it feels like. We've come to God half-hearted, half-hearted in our obedience, half-hearted in our work. It's time for us to give up lip service and start giving him life service, surrendering our lives to him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we obey him, it's teaching that we really love him. So strengthen your relationship with Christ. Whatever it takes, turn the page on that lukewarm, that mediocre relationship that you have. Secondly, turn the page on forgiveness. Some of you have been really hurt, and that hurt is very deep. Some people just got their feelings hurt, and they're going to carry that around a long time too. But I, I want to really talk about those people. Well, I guess both of you really hurt people and the ones who had their feelings hurt. Whatever the case may be, you're holding on to it. Because as soon as I mention that we can turn the page on forgiveness, it popped into your head. That person, whatever they said, whatever they have done, it's immediately right there. 
It's just proof you've refused to forgive that person from the heart. Scripture tells us not to let the sun go down upon your wrath. And here we are, some of you a year later, two years later, ten years later, thirty years later, and you're still holding that grudge. And I know what we say. They don't deserve it, Brother Bill. I know they don't. I didn't deserve what Christ did for me. When he went to the cross, he did it for me, and I did not deserve that. But he did it anyway. And Jesus said we're to forgive like he's forgiven us. Does anybody here honestly believe that you have the right to demand forgiveness from God? Because the truth is you don't. Now listen, listen closely. You also don't have the right to withhold forgiveness of others. Any more than you have the right to demand forgiveness for yourself. Paul wasn't sitting in his house prison and saying, oh, those mean old Romans, I'm going to get them one day. He was loving them, witnessing to them. Don't let bitterness and unforgiveness take root in your heart. It'll rot your soul. Not only will it rot your soul, it'll spring up and it'll destroy those around you, the closest to you. When you choose to forgive, when you choose to drop the grudge, you will be set free. You may not think that you can do it because it hurts too great. There's been a lot of people been hurt worse than any of us, and yet they were able to forgive. We can do it too, but we need the help of Almighty God. So pray and ask him to help you forgive Bitterness is just going to be a chain around your soul. Break that chain by asking God to help you turn the page on forgiveness. Another thing we can do this year is turn the page on that sin. That sin. You you know what it is in your life and all of us, it's something else. But something you've been struggling with for a long time. You know what that is. It may be lying, it may be gossiping, it may be slandering others. It may be cheating, maybe looking at inappropriate material on the internet or watching the inappropriate movies on TV. Maybe it's just letting your eyes linger on another woman, man. Jesus calls that adultery. It might be just plain laziness. You know, that's a sin in the Bible. Not taking responsibility for what's under your care. Whatever it is, start with the beginning of this year. To put those things in the past. Ask God to help you overcome those sins. Get whatever help you need. Whatever resources. There's plenty of things out there to help you overcome. You don't have to, have to be captive to that sin any longer. Jesus said, I've come to set you free. And in Christ we are free indeed. Number four, turn to page on handling God's money. Um. Don't handle it your way. Of everything I've had to say, this is the one that will get under more people's skin than any other. Um, Money, money is one of those areas that that people cling to the hardest. Do you know that Jesus spoke more about money in Scripture than he did heaven and hell? Yeah. Most Christians have the wrong idea about money. Because here's what you're saying. Well, it's my money. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. If you get that attitude, it's, you're wrong. It's Christ's money. If you're a born-again Christian, he's given you the ability to have what you have. Even Paul said, everything I have isn't worth anything. I want to know Christ more. What you have is his. And if you listen to what he says about how to handle it, it'll go further. And you'll have more peace about what you have, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. You don't have to take my word for it. Just listen to the word of God. It speaks about it. And God's not a liar. Lastly, it's time we turn the page on our mediocrity. Mediocrity is the default position that so many people are living their lives. Anybody can be mediocre. Most people are. Especially when it comes to living for Christ. Serving him. Excellence, on the other hand, is rarely achieved without intentional work. I'm not calling it perfection. It's something we can achieve is excellence. Excellence is stepping up to a whole new level. And let me suggest that you step it up in this new year. Get out of the rut that you're in. Get out of the mediocrity that you live in. Don't let this year be the same old, same old. Same thing I've done every year after this. Make this year the best year yet. We may not be able to do it for our world, but we can do it for our walk with Christ. Maybe for someone here today, that means to know Jesus as your Savior. To come to him. to be your, Let him be your Lord. Let him be your Savior. We'd like to share Jesus with you this morning during our time of invitation. For someone here today, it may be joining First Baptist. God has called you here. You know that you should be here. We want to invite you to come and start the new year off uh, with, with a membership in our church. Whatever your need may be, we can deal with that today. You just need to be willing to say yes to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have come into your house today. We thank you for the worship that we've experienced. God, that we, we just lifted our hearts up to praise you and to worship you. We thank you for your word that guides us, directs us, and, and gives us the challenges that we need to live for you. So, Jesus, I pray for that soul that is here today that may not know you. They want to have a relationship with you. They want to be saved. I pray that you would give them the, the ability today, the strength today to come forward and make that confession. For those that are looking to join a church, God, that they would come. But God, for every member of this church, I pray that we would get out of our past, not look at our circumstances, but we would just start straining to know you more, to know you better, to serve you. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have that invitation now, and we're going to stand, we're going to sing. As soon as we begin to sing, whatever decision you have made for the Lord, you come. I'll be here at the front to greet you. As we stand together and as we sing, come on this first stanza.